Well, I love Christmas time. I really do think it is the most special time of the year. Uh, I love so many different things about it. Uh, one of the things is I love hearing the Wheatland Brass do a Dave Brubeck jazz arrangement. That was awesome. It was really cool. Uh, I love to hear Christmas favorites songs and love to sing along with them. I'm not sure my family always loves it when I do that, but I like it. I love seeing and hearing our kids sing on Sunday morning. And I love, I'm really looking forward to tonight, the Christmas musical, just to hear the kids tell the story in a simplistic and yet a joyful way. I just really look forward to that time in Christmas. I love spending time with my family, uh, especially some extended family, and just uh, re- just thinking about some memories that we share together. I love the food that comes at Christmas and the Christmas treats. I'm not always sure I love the extra five or ten pounds that come at that time of year, but love all that stuff. And Christmas can be undoubtedly one of the most joyful and just revitalizing times of the year. And it can also be hectic and nerve-wracking. Uh, it just depends on your circumstances and kind of where you're at in life in that moment. I mean, some people even still struggle more greatly, like with sadness or isolation and loneliness. And some even struggle with depression uh, in this season for many different reasons. It can be a hard time for many people. Uh, so much so that we can literally lose our sense of security and tranquility. Some of the things that Jesus came to even bring to us. I mean, he tells us that he came to bring us life and life more abundantly. And yet there are times at seasons like this that we're not experiencing abundant life. We're experiencing some things that are the opposite of that. So I want to just ask you today, like during this kind of busy season, during the hustle and bustle of Christmas, where do you go? to find silence, and to find stillness, to just really spend time reflecting on the incredible gift that God has given us uh, in this season that we celebrate. There's a special word that's used in the Christmas story that should be very important and, and meaningful to us as we consider the birth of Christ. It's a word that's used over 400 times in scriptures, and it's a term that's interwoven in the prophecies of Jesus' coming as a special gift to us from God. And that wonderful word is peace. Peace. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah speaks about this in, in his prophecy in, in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. He says, For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, There will be no end. Do you rejoice and rest in the peace that God has given you this year, in this time? Or is this a time of year that's characterized by impatience, anxiety, conflict, and pain? It can be those things as well. And so just as Christmas is approaching, I want us to look at how we can really experience genuine tranquility in the midst of the pressures that come with this season. I want to read uh, Luke 2, verses 13 and 14 as we move forward. And this is a really well-known passage, especially during the Christmas season. And so this is what the gospel tells us. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word that comes to us, that is a gift to us. We thank you for the word of peace that is found so frequently in your scripture and that you speak of peace and you promise peace and you give peace 
through the gift of your Son, Jesus. And so much of that is focused on either the, the prediction, the promise of the Messiah, and that peace would come with Him, or in the realization of that gift, in the gift of Christ. And so, God, we, we pray as we think about this Word, and we think about our own situations, we think about, you know, just the craziness in our world and in this busyness of the season. God, we just want to contemplate this morning, what does that peace mean? What is the real meaning of that? And how do we, how do we really experience that in and through you? So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work through this message, but also through all that happens uh, in the rest of this time that we have together. May it all be for your glory and may it draw us closer to you. And I pray this in Christ. Amen. Peace. We all want peace, don't we? We all enjoy peace when we experience it. But so often we, we experience so little peace in our world, in our community, and sometimes even in our own lives. Many people believe that the pathway to peace is gaining more possessions, especially during the Christmas season. They think more stuff is going to bring uh, satisfaction and enjoyment. You know, through the stuff and through the gadgets, it's going to bring peace and happiness. But we realize stuff never really fills emptiness, does it? Never gives worth. It never restores broken relationships. Some people sentimentalize peace, right? Peace is like a warm blanket, or it's like a hot bath, or it's a sedative, or it's a Yankee candle that's got the Christmas cookie scent. Now, that's not peace to me. I'd rather have the cookies than the candle that smells like the cookies. Some people compartmentalize peace. I think of homes in Latin America and some of the mission trips that I've taken and neighborhoods I've walked through and the walls that are lined with cut, broken glass. And literally the purpose is to keep people out from the homes inside to keep peace. Could we have peace if we just built a gigantic wall? You know, in the land where Jesus was born, his ancestors on both sides are still fighting. And there seems to be little desire for peace. Could we have peace if we just separated the people we like from the people we don't like? Is that peace? Well, it turns out that peace is something quite different, isn't it? There's a better definition of peace, I think. Literally, I think, here's a definition. Peace is a right relationship with God. It's a right relationship with God. And a right relationship with God always leads us to opportunities to have right relationships with each other. And there's a further conviction. We do not make it a right relationship. God is the one who has brought about the rightness in the relationship. God has already done that. He's already brought and made peace in our world. That's what the early angels were proclaiming when Christ came, when Emmanuel was born, that peace is present. Peace is being offered by God. The early Christians could look back at Jesus in the same way the prophets looked forward from the Old Testament, and they could see the peace that Jesus made possible on earth. I want to invite you to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and see what Paul says. Paul writes, he says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once so far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility. Christ is our peace. Peace is not a human achievement. Peace is a gift from God. And here we find ourselves much closer to the prophets, much nearer to the people that we read about in the Gospels. We are praying for this gift, eagerly awaiting this gift of peace. It's like we're driving home for a Christmas family feast, and, and we're not there yet, but we can almost taste 
the good food. And that's what it's like to know that peace is present, but it's not fully present. Our world hasn't accepted the peace that God has offered. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So how do you take hold of this that He offers to us, this peace? Well, first, realize that the peace of God originates with reconciliation with Him. The word peace used in this verse from John chapter 14 and also earlier in Luke chapter 2 that I read from, they're the same word in the original Greek language, which literally means security and safety and wholeness, but it also means to bind together. Now, it it doesn't mean to bind together just things that are similar or things that are alike, but it literally means to bind together things that are opposite, that are opposed to one another. And that's what the Bible is referring to as peace. It's talking about how God has brought us together to Him through this offering of peace through Christ Jesus. So, uh, when you trust in the, in the Lord as your Savior, He binds you together with Him for all of eternity. You never need to worry about your salvation because He makes you right with the Father through His death on the cross. No one can ever take you away from Him. Because, literally, of His death on the cross. That speaks of the security aspect of peace, but also to the safety. The God who saved you will never lose you, and He's got the power to keep you. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He said, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Listen, the real peace that you have in any circumstance comes from being reconciled to God the Father. A reconciliation that we're told can never be taken away from us. And secondly, to have peace at this time of year, we need to embrace the fact that Christ takes full responsibility for your needs. You may not be able to get what you want for Christmas. You may not get the gift you're hoping for. But you will get all that is necessary for your needs. We know, we see Jesus providing for needs over and over again in the Gospels in the New Testament. We see he feeds 5,000 with only uh, five loaves and two fish, and we are told that there are 12 baskets full that are left over. Later in the same passage in John chapter 6, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, will never go thirsty. Earthly tranquility is often based on our worldly resources, which can ultimately and will ultimately fail. So whenever you face situations beyond your abilities, beyond your skills, beyond your resources, and you wonder, why, why do we feel so overwhelmed or anxious and discouraged? But realize that God is completely capable of helping you, of taking care of you, regardless of the circumstances. There's nothing that's too big or too small for our God. Even in the midst of the storms of life, we know that Jesus is in the boat with us, no matter what we're going through. Jesus is present with us, and he brings a calm, he can bring a peace, a tranquility to any situation that arises. It doesn't mean he's going to take us out of the situation, but it does mean whatever we face, whatever challenge we face, that he is present and his peace can help us come through that situation, knowing and trusting in him to care for us in whatever we face. Therefore, as a believer, you can calmly and joyfully trust Him. 
Because you know that the one who is best able to give you the victory in any and every situation will never leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And lastly, we need to understand that the Father's peace results from your personal relationship with him. When you feel apprehensive, what do you do? Do you rush around and try to find solutions to your problems? Or do you try to silence your anxieties by shopping or eating or working or doing some bad habits that really ultimately don't bring resolution or peace? It doesn't really help, does it? In fact, oftentimes those kinds of things can make the situation worse than it already is. But folks, we know we can trust that the Lord's presence has the power to calm your worries and drive out your fears. 1 John 4:18 The Lord tells us there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And you can come to him without reservation or without fear. He has perfect love for us that will drive out any fear that we might experience or we might hold on to. You know, when I was a young boy, the thing that gave me the most security was the presence of my dad. You know, when I was young, really young, I just knew that there was nothing that my dad couldn't face. There was nobody that my dad couldn't take care of. There was nobody or nothing that he wouldn't protect me from. And then I got older and I realized that wasn't true. But that same feeling that I had for my dad when I was young, that is the feeling that we can have towards our Heavenly Father. And it is true. He is able to protect us. He is present. Again, Jesus says in John 10, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So when you spend time with the Lord, you realize that He's got everything under control. And when you walk in the center of His will and learn to see your circumstances from His perspective, you experience the deepest, the most wonderful tranquility. Confident that He will work out everything for your good. Not only will you experience peace with the Father, but you'll also be a calming presence to those that you're around. Literally, as we receive the peace of Christ into our lives, into our heart, and we live into that peace that Christ provides for us, we become a calming presence to those that are around us. So things can be going crazy around, but we can be still that calm, confident presence. We become a representative of the Prince of Peace to those that are also going through great challenges. Peace is a gift from the Prince of Peace. And we can have it today as a gift, but it's also a gift that is a future promise as well. So it's both a now gift, but it's also a future gift. Let me explain it this way. We can be at peace with God when we accept the Prince of Peace as our Lord and our Savior, but peace is also a fruit of the Spirit, right? Remember the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. There's a a bunch more fruit. So while I can be at peace with God because of his salvation, sometimes I'm not at peace internally with myself. And I'm not at peace externally with others. We have to admit, we have to recognize that we're still flesh and bone. We're still human. We're still weak. We're still sinners. But there's still hope. Even though we don't fully hold on to that peace or represent that peace as a fruit all the time, We also know that we're a construction zone, basically, still at work, right? God's still at work, bringing about that fruit in our own lives. I love what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ 
Jesus. I'm not always patient, especially this time of year. But Advent is all about, the season of Advent is all about being patient and waiting, right? Whether you're a five-year-old boy who's looking forward to, hoping for this incredible Christmas gift that you're, you've wished for, that you've asked for, or like a grandmother who's waiting for her family all to come home and have a family reunion at Christmas. It's about patience. It's about waiting. I love a, a comment by Henri Nouwen, a pastor, a writer. He says, waiting, as we see it in the people on the first pages of the gospel, is waiting with a sense of promise already begun in us. So waiting is never a movement from nothing to something. It's always a movement from Zechariah. Your wife Elizabeth is to bear you a son. It's waiting with expectation. Mary, listen. You're going to conceive and bear a son, a Messiah for the world. People have wait to have received a promise that allows them to wait. They've received something that is at work in them, like a seed that has started to grow. This is very important, he writes. He says, we can only really wait if what we're waiting for is something more. We know peace. We've experienced peace. We know Christ is the Prince of Peace. We've been given the gift of peace. And yet we look at the world around us and we recognize it's not fully here yet, is it? Not everyone is living in peace. Not everyone has accepted the peace of Christ. And so we're waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. Peace is a gift of God. And while we wait for it, but the waiting is not passive. This is what Peter writes in his second letter to the early church. He says, while you're waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home, while you're waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace and regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. We're able to wait for peace because we've glimpsed it here and now. We've glimpsed it now and then. And so for the follower of Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace, something has already begun in us. Something's already growing in us. And there's a hunger. And there's a thirst for a new world. And we wait. We wait with a sense of promise. Ruth and Billy Graham, when they were still living, they were driving one day on a two-lane highway out in the Smoky Mountains not far from their home. And they came on this uh, site of road construction, on this two-lane road. And it literally was two lanes that narrowed to one. And we've all been there at some point when we drive. We realize, you know, we're probably going to be stopped there for quite a while, waiting for the other lane to come and wait for all the cars to pass by. And then we're finally able to go. And they waited about 15 minutes. A long line of cars came by, and they finally were able to go. And then they had open highway for another few miles, and then they came to another place in the road construction, and literally they had to go on a detour. They had to get off the road and go 15 miles out of the way before they could come back and go back on the road. And they were getting impatient. They were getting frustrated. And they finally come to the end of the road construction, and Ruth Graham turns to her husband. They see a sign. She turns to Billy, and she holds his arm. She grabs his arm. She says, Billy. She said, what's on that road construction sign? I want that on my tombstone when I die. And the words that were printed on the road sign read, End of construction. Thanks for your patience. That's what God's doing in our lives. That's what God's doing in our world. God is still at work in us, bringing about the fruit that he's already given to us, that he's already promised to us. Again, the words from Paul, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's the hope of a promise that's not yet fully been fulfilled, but is at work and being fulfilled. Peace is coming. Peace is here. 
But it's not fully here because we haven't all received the gift. We haven't all accepted him. And when Christ returns, his world will reign in peace. This Christmas, I want to encourage you, instead of focusing on the gifts that you still need to get, think about focusing on the gift you most need to receive, the gift of his peace. Again, realize that the peace of God that we receive originates from reconciliation with him. We don't have real peace. We don't have real peace until we receive the gift of Christ that God has given to us to receive. And so he's offered this gift. This is an incredible gift. It's the most incredible gift that God has given to the whole world. And he's given it for us to receive. He's given it to the world for us to receive, but not just to the whole world, but to you and to me. And there's a gift. Literally, it's like a gift that he gives to us. And all we have to do is to receive it. There's nothing we do to earn it or we can't buy it, but literally... We just simply accept this gift. And so many people that I'm aware of have heard about the gift. They know about the gift. They've seen the gift. But they haven't received the gift. They haven't accepted the gift. And that literally would be like on a Christmas morning, this incredible, beautiful package under the tree that has your name on it. It's given to you. You hold it. You see your name on the card. You see the gift. You have it in your hands. And you go back to the tree and you put it under the tree and you walk away. Who does that? Nobody does that on Christmas. And my encouragement to you, if you haven't yet received that gift, is don't walk away. You don't have to wait until Christmas morning to accept this gift. The gift is here. It's now. It's ready for you today to receive this incredible gift. There's nothing you have to do. You don't have to get your life in order. You don't have to uh, fix all the sins that have been in your life. That's what God does for you through the gift. It just starts with accepting and receiving the gift, opening the gift and living in to the gift. But secondly, again, remember and embrace that Christ takes full responsibility for your needs. Literally, this is one of the messages of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. God is for us. God is present. God is caring for us. God is providing for us. And then thirdly, to understand that the Father's peace is the result of a personal relationship with Him. And if you're not experiencing peace right now in your life, one of the things I would encourage you is, if you're running around and life is crazy, stop running around and run to the Father. Run to the Father and rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Literally, that when we go to God and we are quiet and we're still in front of Him, with Him, we receive this peace that surpasses all understanding, which surpasses anything this world can offer. And this peace of Christ, literally we're told, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So literally live in this gift of His peace as you celebrate this wonderful season. I'm going to pray, and when I start the prayer, I'm going to actually invite, if you want to accept that gift of Christ this morning, as I pray, I'm going to pray a simple prayer that I'm going to invite you to pray quietly with me and invite you to now receive this gift that God offers to you. Uh, and let's pray, all of us. Father, we give you thanks. God, we, we're just so grateful for this incredible gift that comes to us. Literally, Christ, who comes, who, who takes on our flesh, who is with us, who is God with us. And more than that, He lives for us and He dies for us on the cross for our sins and You raise Him from the dead. And God, with this incredible gift of Christ comes the gift of salvation. And so if you now are ready to receive this gift, 
I just simply invite you to pray quietly in your heart as I pray these simple words. Jesus, thank you for your life and for dying for my life and for my sins. And I receive this gift of your salvation. I accept you and I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, I'm sorry for all the sins that I've committed, all the things that I've done wrong. And I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And Jesus, I I ask that you'd help me to follow you as a disciple, as a follower, and to strengthen me and encourage me and build me up as I follow you for the rest of my life. And Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of peace that comes with you. Jesus, we thank you that you are present, that you are never far away, but literally that you're with us. The gift of your Holy Spirit resides within us. And that you offer us peace for sal- that is salvation, but also peace that is bigger and greater than the troubles in our life and in our world. And we thank you that no matter what we face, we can have your peace that surpasses all understanding. Guard our hearts and our minds in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.